to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. Jump right into it today. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. Gosh, ton to get to as usual. Well, the White House is trying to cover up, well, just another gaff-filled occasion by this embarrassment that is Joe Biden. So yesterday, Monday, he he, he had some, some event to honor, celebrate the end of Ramadan, Aid, some... some Islamic holiday, okay, fine. And Ilhan Omar was there. And, you know, as usual, now the White House has to clean up uh, the mess that, that, that Biden leaves behind him inevitably everywhere he goes. And I just, I just want to play some of these clips for you because this is the candidate for the presidency in 2024 that the, the, the Democrats have decided to go with, for now, for now, there's some theories out there, right, we've talked about. They could get rid of him at the last minute, could be Gavin. People are now talking about Michelle Obama, that she could be making a comeback here. I don't know. But it, it, it's, it's just, the reason I'm starting with this, I suppose, is because what we are fighting every single day, at least on the conservative side, those of us with some kind of principle and some kind of rational brain that still remains in our heads intact, is people in the Republican Party who continue to tell us that there's no way that Trump can win. They continue to sit here and write articles about how terrible Trump is and how bad Trump is and attacking Trump, the never Trump movement. This is what we have to hear all the time. And you have this guy, Joe Biden, who every time he opens his mouth makes mistakes that the media just completely ignores. And I'm so sick of it. I am so tired of this double standard where we're on the defense all the time and we're supposed to be defending Trump. And meanwhile, the Democrats are celebrating not just a crook. Not just somebody who's guilty of all the things they accuse falsely Trump of having done or being and so on and so forth. But but they just create this false persona. This is the stupidest person ever to, to, to be in the White House. The stupidest president in American history. He is so brain dead. So far gone. And it's so overt and obvious and in our faces. And any one of these things that, that Joe Biden says... Every single day when he opens his mouth would would have if they if it came out of Trump's mouth would have the media calling for. Well, yes, his impeachment, but removing him from office all the time, they would be filling the news cycle with it. And I'm just sick of it. So I've got some clips here from this celebration. And like I said, it's a reception and he's recognizing Muslims. He's got a teleprompter, and he still can't get through it without making mistake after mistake after mistake. So firstly, cue up cut one, Captain. He's talking about, of course, Congress pronoun Ilhan Omar, you know, the one who married her own brother, the anti-Semite. Well, she's there, and he's going to honor her 
And go ahead and play cut one, Captain, then I'll comment. We also have members of the House of Representatives here. Congressman Omar, where are you, Congressman Omar? There you go. God love you. I'm not supposed to get in trouble for saying this, but you look beautiful tonight. I want to point out two things. Firstly, now it's not an egregious sin to us, but on the Democrat side, you're not supposed to refer to a female Congress pronoun as a congressman. Right? So that's a, a cardinal sin he commits. So he calls her Congressman Omar. You heard that, right, Captain? Okay. Now, as if we're at trial here, I'd like to point you to Exhibit 1. Pull up Photo 1, Captain. Now, you heard his lips, Congressman Omar. Now, this White House has a habit of rewriting and changing the transcripts that are supposed to document what was said at these events. I have it on the screen. The transcript, official transcript from that event says, we also have members of the House of Representatives here, Congresswoman Omar. Where are you, Congresswoman Omar? And then it says in the transcript, Representative Omar says right here. Now they omit the fact that he says, this is probably weird, but you're just so beautiful. Let's just, yeah, let's play it again. That's a good idea. Let's play it one more time. I want to, there's a reason I'm spending time on this. Go ahead, Captain. Play it again. We also have members of the House of Representatives here. Congressman Omar. Where are you, Congressman Omar? There you go. God love you. I'm not supposed to get in trouble for saying this, but you look beautiful tonight. What a freak. What a freak. Now, I'm going to play a game later, and I'll do it later. But remember this. If Trump had sat there and talked to Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene and said, I'm not supposed to say this, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but you are really beautiful tonight. What do you think the media's response would be? Do you think they'd have something to say about that? Do you think they'd try and drag Trump through the coals over that remark? Of course they would. This is routine, by the way, for Biden. The only thing that's I mean, at least he's talking to somebody who's over the age of 18 here because he likes to tell little 12-year-olds also, you look beautiful tonight, honey. You look so beautiful tonight. And this is a guy, by the way, I have to point it out again, whose own daughter, Ashley Biden, accused him in her diary of showering inappropriately with her when she was young. But again, we'll save that for the game later. So you heard him, Congressman Omar. And then in the transcript, they change it to Congresswoman Omar. That's not what he said. And this is part of the revisionist history that this White House is conducting, engaged in. This is what the Democratic Party at large is always engaged in, revisionist history. Randy Weingarten, we'll get to that later. She's trying to rewrite her history with regard to the pandemic, now lying and saying that she was not championing school closures. Fauci trying to backtrack and pretend like he wasn't intimately involved with a botched shutdown. All of these Democrats are lying about the immigration situation, the illegal invasion of our country. You heard it yesterday. I played the clip, Kareem Jean-Pierre. Oh, yeah, immigration's down 90%. No, it's actually the worst it's been in American history. And she reiterated that earlier. You had uh, my, my good, my good uh, pal there, Boy Scout Ducey, Peter Ducey, pressing her, asking her, hey, you said this yesterday, and she just repeats the lie. So all these Democrats do is lie. 
They lie about the economy. No one's talked about the economy. Have you noticed that? It's just missing from the conversation. How is the economy going? It's not going well. It hasn't improved. Let me put it that way. And actually, I hate to inform you that the economy, well, we're in for a very rude awakening because we're going to plummet into a very deep recession soon. Just being truthful with you. No BS. So, he changes, the White House changed the transcript. Now, let's play another clip. Let's play cut three, Captain. Now, in Islam, they, uh, you know, their sacred text is the Quran. Do you know this? Their sacred text is the Quran. Or is it the Quran? Quran? Quran. Oh, I don't know. Let's hear what Joe Biden says. Let's, let's let him tell us what this sacred text is called. Play cut three, Captain. Go. You know, the Quran teaches that one of his highest signs is the creation of heavens and earth. The Quran. I wonder when the last time he read his Bible was. The Old Testicle. <laughs> the Old Testicle and the New Testicle. The Quran. <laughs> this guy's a dummy. This guy's such an abject idiot. I just can't help it. Again, if Trump stood there and said, Karam, Koram, they, they would be accusing him of insulting Muhammad. There would, there would be burning streets right now. They'd be protesting everywhere saying that, you know, they, they'd let the people out of Guantanamo Bay uh, and tell them to go light things on fire because he insulted uh, Islam. And by the way, they, they cleaned out the text. So again, he says Koram. And play the clip one more time, actually, Captain. You know, the Quorum teaches that one of his highest signs is the creation of heavens and earth. Okay, so pull up photo two, Captain. This is the official White House transcript of the event. You know, the Quran teaches that one of his highest signs is the creation of the heavens and earth. Well... They added the before heavens. So, you know, they edited it out, whatever. But, you know, that's not a transcript. And he said Quorum, and they changed it to Quran because that's what he meant to say, right? Just like these Democrat policies are meant to improve the economy. They're meant to secure the border. They're just not doing any of that, of course. But, you know, the intention is good. And I always say this in politics. That's the one career on the planet in which individuals are judged not based on results, but by their stated intentions. So you can destroy the entire country, but as long as you continue to say that you intended to do better, you intended to have good results, well, you're blameless and sinless. You're not judged based on, because it's a cult. Politics is a cult. And there's no cult more in our faces than the Democratic Party. And the left likes to project and say that that there's the Trump cult, the Trump cult. They're the cult. They're the cult. At least we have principles that we stand by that never change. These people go from abortion should be safe, legal, and rare to abortion should be infanticide, taxpayer-funded, frequent, encouraged. Now, gender is a construct. All the Democrats are on board with that, arguing that, you know, you can't tell somebody who says that they're a man stuck in a woman's body that they're not a man. That's, that's bigoted. Now, this is my favorite. 
There's a new basketball player that I am not familiar with, uh, but his name is Kareem Alja Alja Abdul Jabbar. Now, if you're listening to me say Kareem Ab- Alja Alja Abdul Jabbar, you'll think that I'm being a bigoted person against Muslims. But go ahead and play cut two, Captain, because I didn't name this individual Kareem Alja Alja Abdul Jabbar. That's what Joe Biden named him. Go ahead, Captain. And the cheer for Muslim, we cheer for Muslim athletes like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I know him, and I still mispronounce his name. Is this painful enough for everybody? It's, I mean, I'm just kind of like wincing here. I'm sorry to put you through this. I know this is like waterboarding. My idea of hell would be listening to Joe Biden give a speech in perpetuity. But um, anyway, so you get the idea. Now, I, I want to know where Kevin Drum is on this. Kevin Drum is a leftist. He he wrote this article. And tw- so in 2017, Kevin Drum writes this article about how the White House is doctoring its transcripts. A big lefty, he wrote this over at Mother Jones. It was, a, it was the end of the world, right? And it wasn't even Trump who was speaking when he was talking about this. So there was a situation back in 2017. Remember Scaramucci? He didn't last long, and he shouldn't have lasted long. There were some personnel problems. But again, was Scaramucci any worse than Kareem Jean-Pierre the Moppet? No, I don't think so. I'll take Scaramucci all day every day over the Moppet. She had a new hairstyle she was sporting, Captain. I must say, in the most recent press conference. And it was better. It was an improvement. So, you know, I ca- when they do something that's improved, I call it out. She looked better than usual. I got to say. It was less of a mop and I don't know what it was. Kind of like a rat's nest. But, you know, rat's nest is better than a mop in, in my opinion. Anyway, but that's Kareem Jean-Pierre. I, 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 should, I should backtrack. Kareem Jean-Pierre, the first black lesbian press secretary. I, I know that that's supremely important, and I don't want to offend anybody on the, in the Democratic Party. It's very important that they point out their qualifications. So Kareem Jean-Pierre, the first black lesbian press secretary, who looks like a mop. All right. So Kevin Drum, July 27th, 2017, the White House is now doctoring its transcripts. I, I just, you know, I, I think of this stuff and I have to go and find it. And I remembered this. And I just think, I mean, obviously you you get the point, the double standard, the left is so full of crap. They just make up stuff to attack Donald Trump and everything he does is bad. When the Democrats do the exact same thing, no problem whatsoever, except the Republicans, Donald Trump, in terms of revising the trend, it was not to the degree of this. And I'll give you an example. So Scaramucci said that Trump sinks, he sinks three foot putts. He's the, well, he said he, he's the most, con, yeah, he said he sinks three foot putts and he was trying to say, you know, that Trump is the most competitive person he's ever met. And so the official house transcript, official White House transcript changed it to reflect that Scaramucci said he sinks 30 foot putts. Obviously sinking three foot putts isn't that impressive. He meant to say 30 foot putts. So the White House transcript changed it to say he sinks 30 foot putts instead of three-foot putts. 
Now it seems pretty benign, but not to, not to uh, Kevin Drum. Kevin Drum wrote that this was very serious, egregious. Not only that, but he pointed out that, you know, Scaramucci, he called this the Kim Jong-illization of the president by pointing out that Trump was good at golf. But, but, but uh, Drum goes on to say, this is not a joke and it's not a mistake. It was deliberate. And that's a bigger deal than anyone is letting on. Transcript, transcripts are not supposed to be revised after the fact. Official White House transcripts record exactly what the person said, regardless of what they meant to say. Every White House has abided by that rule, including Trump's. Until now. And guess who's ultimately in charge of transcripts? The White House communications director, Anthony Scaramucci. It might be wise not to fully rely on White House transcripts anymore. That was in 2017. I'm waiting for Kevin Drum's excoriating piece to come out, talking about the extensive revisions that just took place on this Muslim event at the White House. I think I'll be waiting forever. Better not hold my breath, huh? Okay, I, I want to get into this Andy McCarthy piece at the Rhino Review. Because, I, you know, Andy McCarthy, he's a, he's a good writer. He's oftentimes a smart guy. But he's also not a smart guy. And he's not worth listening to when he wades into Republican politics. I'm sorry. I mean, Andy McCarthy... Actually, screw it. We're talking about Andy McCarthy. I'll I'll get to Bud Light in a second. So, look, Andy McCarthy is a person who hates Trump. He's always hated Trump. Now, I've got some pull quotes in this piece. But the gist of the piece is... Trump is horrible. Trump's going to lead to us losing in 2024. And the candidate cannot and must not be Trump. And it must be DeSantis. That's the gist of this article. And it's basically a novel. I printed this thing out and it just goes on forever. It's like a book. That's how devoted Andy McCarthy is to trying to convince all of us that Trump is terrible. And again, this goes to my point that when was the last time Andy McCarthy wrote a piece like this about Joe Biden, about how terrible Joe Biden is? And this is why I push back and resent these types of arguments, because any Democrat alternative, including Joe Biden, should be unelectable in this country. Their policies are a disaster. The guy can't make it up. And down the steps to the Air Force One without falling down. He can't get on a bike without falling off. He can't get around young girls without sniffing their hair. This is a disqualified candidate, Joe Biden, what he's done. Really what he's done. But you have Ann McCarthy attacking Trump here. And and I just want to dispel some of these things. Ann McCarthy, maybe he believes this. But he needs to do better research. It's cherry-picked. He wants to believe what he wants to believe. Maybe you can say the same thing about me. I've been honest on on here with you all. 
I lean towards Trump. I have I have advocated for a robust primary. I think that we need to have practice, frankly, before these other debates. If there even are debates with Joe Biden, who the heck knows? Who the heck knows what's going to happen? But I wrote a piece on my Substack, and I would suggest you go and read it. But, you know, my point in the Substack piece is 2024, if it is Trump versus Biden, it should be the easiest decision any Americans ever had to make because you have two records to look at. And neither of these candidates is a perfect human being, certainly. But if you want to compare the misdeeds of Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, Donald Trump is still a morally superior human being than Joe Biden. I mean, you've got this rape case right now. There's no evidence whatsoever. E. Jean Carroll coming forward after 30 years almost. It happened in the 1990s, she said, but she can't pinpoint what month it was. She can't even pinpoint what year it happened in. It was either the spring of this year or the fall of another year. No recollection whatsoever. We've addressed this on the show. And all of a sudden she's coming forward. And this is somebody who's been on TV just a couple years ago talking about how rape was sexy. Talking about how she would not pursue rape charges against Trump because there were other people around the world that have had bad rape experiences and hers only lasted three minutes. And this is the case 30 years later that that is at trial right now. But Joe Biden, he's been accused by Tara Reid, his own Senate aide in in the same time frame of having penetrated her with with his fingers in a a hallway in the Capitol. She's got the same evidence as as E. Jean Carroll. E. Jean Carroll says her only evidence is that she's gotten two people to come forward to say that E. Jean Carroll told them about this event back in the 90s. Well, Tara Reid's got the same thing. She's got somebody, a friend, who remembers specifically Tara Reid telling her about this happening. But Tara Reid says she even filed a complaint with the Senate. And they lost it mysteriously. They they have not denied that it exists. So Tara Reid has more evidence of Joe Biden sexually assaulting her than E. Jean Carroll ever had. And E. Jean Carroll, of course, conveniently came out with her accusation when she was releasing her book. Gee. So my point is, I'm tired of these Andy McCarthy types. I really am. I really, and, and you know, Andy McCarthy, I don't know him. I'm not assailing his character, okay? I, I, I just want to make that, I really, I really don't want to sink into just the, the dredges here with everybody on our side who I disagree with. You know, I, I'm not going to do that. But I just, Andy McCarthy is part of the establishment, the National Review protects the interests of the establishment. There is a reason Victor Davis Hanson no longer writes for National Review. But Annie McCarthy's still there. And it's the Rhino Review. That's what it is. And they have opposed Trump and hated Trump, and they've made it their objective to obstruct Trump since 2016. That's much of the debate and reason Victor Davis Hanson left. But in this piece, Annie McCarthy 
in the beginning says, don't fall for the illusion of Trump's strength in early polling. Okay, so polling is telling us that Trump has a chance. Polling is telling us that Trump is much more popular on the Republican side, certainly, than DeSantis. And he's just saying, well, don't fall for it. So already off the bat, off the bat, just don't fall for the polling. Don't listen to it. And, and the gist of, of McCarthy's argument is one that's common on our side by people who don't want Trump to be the, the candidate in 2024. And, and that's this. It's this 4D chess maneuver, right? They say that all of these efforts by the Democratic Party are aimed at one thing. They're trying to convince us to nominate Trump. So all of these attacks on Trump are meant to get us to work harder to make sure he's the nominee. And I just don't think that that intellectually, it just doesn't jive with me. I I can understand the argument. Okay, if you're the Democratic Party, you think that Trump's the easiest candidate to beat. So you're going to, it doesn't make sense because Trump would be the candidate no matter what. If the, if the Democrats did nothing, did nothing, Trump's position in the party wouldn't be any different. So that, that, that fundamentally, this just doesn't sit well with me, this argument that, oh, the Democrats are doing all this. No, they're not. They're afraid of Trump. And so really what we'll see or what I see in this is a bunch of just fallacious arguments that he's making, things that he believes that I don't think are true. Like he thinks the 2020 election was totally just kosher. He thinks it's a problem to point out that there were issues with the 2020. I mean, what planet is Andy McCarthy living in? On. Anyway, all right. So, some pull quotes. The governor, he's talking about DeSantis, is clearly doing everything a politician in his position would do to prepare. But the best case for him as president is that he's inclined to solving problems rather than tweeting about them. That is a liberal talking point. And you'll, you know, it's amazing. Later in this article, I'll get to in a minute, but McCarthy contradicts himself. He talks about how he voted for Trump twice because of Trump's policies. So he's admitting later on that Trump's policies did work because they were good enough for him to vote for Trump. But here in the beginning, he's saying Trump tweeted rather than solving problems. And meanwhile, he's ignoring Trump-Russia collusion, which was a coup attempt. You had Republicans. People forget this. In the beginning days of the Trump presidency, the Mitch McConnells and those in Congress would not support Trump's agenda because they believed Trump-Russia collusion. So there were months in Trump's presidency, where he could not achieve anything because the Republicans were buying the Hillary Clinton steel dossier lie. 
And he gets no credit from people like McCarthy for what he endured. No credit ever for all of this obstruction. And that's what frustrates me as well. No president has endured what Trump has been forced to endure. And no president has had such little support while going through it. You just have weak-kneed people like an Andy McCarthy who throws him under the bus, who turn their backs on Trump as soon as the going gets tough. And it's a wonder Trump has it in him to run again when he knows that he's not going to have the support of people like this, even in the party, that they're just going to discard him and apologize for him like McCarthy. So McCarthy goes on, and of course, there's a Wall Street Journal poll that shows Trump ahead of DeSantis by 13 points among likely GOP primary voters. So McCarthy has a problem already. He's got to discredit this poll. So he says, when the lens is widened to include all registered voters in the survey, not just Republicans, the same poll has DeSantis leading President Biden by three points. Well, look, if you polled Republicans and asked them who they supported in the Democrat Party, why is that relevant? These same not Republicans, and he doesn't specify here whether he's talking about if this is just independents or if it's independents and Democrats, but nonetheless, the only distinction that, from, from what I can read that McCarthy is making here, is that when you include all registered voters, yeah, so all registered voters means independents, it means Democrats. So why, why would I care what a Democrat thinks in a poll? Why would that change anything for me? A Democrat would rather have DeSantis than Trump? Well, are they going to vote for DeSantis? No, they're not. So I, I really, McCarthy's a very smart guy. To me, it just seems like he's so clouded by his anti-Trump hatred that he makes a mistake like this in his own piece. Because again, McCarthy is a smart, smart man. He is. He is. And this is just foolish to try and make this point. So the same poll as the governor leading Biden by three points. But Trump trails Biden by the same margin. I mean, I guess he's saying that when you include other people, enough said they'd rather have DeSantis than Biden. I don't know. I also remember a poll in 2016 that said Hillary Clinton was going to win 99%. So he goes on, Donald Trump cannot win a national election. It is in the interest of the media democratic complex to obscure this fact for now because Democrats desperately want Trump to be the Republican nominee. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, that, that's his premise, right? But the question for every Republican is not Trump or DeSantis, nor is it how would you vote in a matchup between Trump and Biden? It is, regardless of whether you would vote for Trump in a matchup with the Democratic nominee, likely Biden, do you believe Trump would beat the Democratic nominee in a national election in which the vast majority of voters will not be Republicans? Okay, let me just go on. Understand that while I could no longer, 
Well, actually, let me back up. I am certain, McCarthy writes, as I am writing this, that Donald Trump will never again be elected president of these United States. Understand that while I could no longer in good conscience vote for Trump, I am not a Trump hater. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Just be honest about it. You're a total Trump hater. Andy McCarthy wrote, okay, Andy McCarthy wrote two articles, more than that, but I'm going to point out two headlines from McCarthy from 2016. And you tell me if this sounds like somebody who's not a Trump hater. January 28th, 2016, Andy McCarthy, headline, Donald Trump, thin-skinned tyrant. March 5th, 2016, McCarthy headline, culture rot. Donald Trump is the effect, not the cause. I just have a problem with people lying to me, being disingenuous about where they're coming from. And McCarthy is disingenuous here. So he goes on and says, for eight years, I defended him when I believed he'd been wrong. From the 2016 Russia collusion nonsense through Alvin Bragg's recent indictment farce. That's true. I'll give that to McCarthy. I will give that to McCarthy. Um, I wrote a Trump yes endorsement in a National Review's 2020 election issue. Reluctantly concluding that Trump's incorrigible flaws were worth abiding as the price of maintaining the solid governance of his Republican subordinates rather than enduring a Democratic presidency with Biden as a figurehead and tool of woke progressives. I can't do that anymore. And here he goes. I believe Trump should have been impeached on an array of high crimes and misdemeanors in 2021. McCarthy thinks that Trump should have been impeached. And, and, and he's just, I mean, this is so pathetic. He's, he's becoming an apologist for Trump. I have to answer for having rationalized Trump's unfitness for office to the extent that his post-2020 election enormities were merely a more blatant demonstra- demonstration of that unfitness, which was obvious all along. The greatest peril for the country is four more years of Democrats in power. The difference this time around is that Trump's nomination would guarantee that this peril becomes our reality. You know what the real problem is when you talk about Trump's electability? It's the negative attitude by McCarthy that he puts out there as a defeatist. If McCarthy and these other people that find a cushy job for themselves, let me explain something. There is a, there is a grift that exists in Washington, D.C. There is a lot of money to be made. There is a specific place carved out for Trump haters. So these people really, it's like Adam Kinzinger, and I'm not comparing McCarthy to Kinzinger, but, but I just want to make a point here. The Joe Walsh's, the Adam Kinzinger's, the Liz Cheney's, they are embraced and rewarded and accepted by the Democratic Party by pretending to be Republicans. So they go out on the media circuit, and they're just like little um, dancing monkeys for the Democratic Party and for the media. 
It's like a little marionette. That's what they represent. So they pretend to be Republicans and speak for conservatives. So Joe Walsh pretends to be a conservative. Adam Kinzinger claims he's a conservative. He's not. We all know it. But the Democrats can point to him and say, look, this conservative Republican, he is telling the Republicans what's wrong with the party. A conservative, listen to this conservative, right? Because when a Democrat comes out and says they hate Trump, it doesn't have the same impact or effect because who cares? So what they do with these Kinzinger types and even McCarthy here is they put them out and pump them out. They pay them money. They let them write these articles. They embrace them. They invite them to their soirees. They treat them like kings and queens. And mind you, these people could never be treated this way by Republicans, and they never be be treated this way by Democrats if they were conservative. So this is a grift that exists. And the people that have the least amount of credibility, in my opinion, are these types. They don't speak for us. They have no brain power. They're just complete frauds. They say what the Democratic Party tells them to say under the guise of being conservative. So it's to say, oh, look, Drew's wrong. He doesn't speak for conservatives. You've got Adam Kinzinger. He's a real conservative over here. Yeah, listen to Adam Kinzinger. It's just a way of creating noise. It's a way of creating infighting amongst the Republican Party. So, you know, anyway, he goes on. Trump's 2020 loss cannot credibly be blamed on election law changes in media coverage. Really? I mean, last I checked, there was a poll that said, you know, 16, 70% of Democrat voters wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden had they known the Hunter Biden laptop story was real. He doesn't mention that in this because that's inconvenient to his narrative. Anyway, it's just... It's just frustrating to me. It's just frustrating to me. Because look at Joe Biden. I played that clip in the beginning. You've got him under investigation, his family, Hunter Biden. And the Democrats just, they don't care. They circle the wagons. Why don't we do that? That's the weakness in our party. That's the weakness in our party. Anyway, I'll get, I'll get to some more in a minute. All right. Um, let's do this. So Joe Biden is now going to send... Uh, let me see if I can find this. I'm here. Hang tight. Well, they're sending 1,500 National Guards troops. I think it's National Guards troops. Have you heard about this, Captain? They're sending him down to the border. I'm here. I'm making noise so you know I'm here. I just gotta I gotta I just gotta get through these things here. Okay, I found it. So the Biden administration's gonna send fifteen hundred, sorry, it's active duty troops to the southern border amid the migrant surge. What do you think these troops are going to be doing? Do you think they're going to be protecting the border and making sure these people don't cross? No, this is virtue signaling. The, the Democrats are, it's just optics. They're giving themselves talking points. So Mophead can stand there in front of the press corps and say, look, we care about the border. Joe Biden's doing more than any president because he sent 1,500 active duty troops to the southern border. He cares. 
But these active duty troops aren't going down there to prevent them from crossing. They're going there to facilitate because there's so many illegals gathering at the border in light of um, whatever, the t- title whatever being lifted. 42 being lifted. Yeah. That they don't have the personnel down there to properly get these people checked into the U.S., if you will. And, th- th- and this is part of Biden's border plan. He put this forward in January of uh, this year. And it actually, last year, I think he came out with it too. But his border plan, I've described to you before on this show, is not intended to secure the border. It's, it's reimagining the purpose of the Border Patrol. It's making Border Patrol a humanitarian wing of the government as opposed to an enforcement mechanism, if that makes sense. So he's reimagining the role of all these people. So they're there to treat these people like refugees and help them come into the country, not prevent them from entering. And that's what these troops are going to be doing. So they're not going to be apprehending any migrants. They're not going to do any law enforcement work. They're going to do data entry. They're going to do warehouse support. They're going to do other administrative tasks because the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, they're not going to be able to focus on their field work, i.e. giving these, these people water and helping them across the border. So they're just going there to back them up. And they're going to, this is going to last roughly three months, but they might extend it. And they're just going <laughs> to, they're just going to help, help uh, facilitate this latest unprecedented number of illegals coming into the country. I just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's issue after issue like this, single issue, you could be a single issue voter. And these are things that, I mean, how could you ever vote for Joe Biden? But McCarthy doesn't like Donald Trump's tweets, so he thinks he's unelectable. And Trump did win an election. People forget that. He won in 2016. But you you, you know who has no problem with the illegal immigration problem, right? It's the Chamber of Commerce. The left likes to attack the NRA as if there's some kind of monster in the country, some kind of special interest group. Of course, the fact that the NRA needs to exist at all is more a testament to how, what bad of shape the country's in. We need the NRA to lobby politicians not to violate the Constitution. I mean, that's all the NRA does. They advocate for the Second Amendment. I mean, We have to have groups that are funded to pay politicians not to violate our Second Amendment right. I mean, that's the the testimony. But the the Democrats attack the NRA and accuse them of being having blood on their hands and everything else. The Chamber of Commerce is one of the real enemies of the American people. There's over 7 million illegals that we know of, basically, that have entered the country just in the past two and a half years. And the Chamber of Commerce has launched a lobbying campaign that are demanding more immigration to the United States. And I just got to tell you, 
The artificial intelligence, that's replacing people at breakneck speed. And that's replacing a lot of white-collar workers. IBM's going to lay off something like 7,500 workers. Let me explain what's happening economically. By design, we are seeing the complete annihilation of the American economy. And this is what it looks like. So on the one hand, you have businesses, corporations that are firing, well, white-collar workers, people with a college degree in a lot of cases. They're going to get rid of them and replace them with artificial intelligence. They don't need them anymore. They can fill that gap without people. And on the other hand, you have millions upon millions of low-skilled workers coming into the United States to provide cheap labor to these various companies. So what jobs are going to be left for the American citizen? There won't be any. There won't be any. And so all of the economic turmoil that we're experiencing right now is only going to get so much worse. So much worse. Americans are not only being replaced with AI, they're also being replaced with illegal immigrants because they don't have to pay them as much money. That's the future. It's just astounding to me that the, I mean, I, I just, I, I can't for the life of me understand how you support these types of policies in this Democratic Party because it's destroying your own livelihood. It's destroying the lives of every American and it doesn't matter what party you belong to. That's just, it's crazy to me. Something I was thinking <clears throat> thinking about earlier today that I did want to get into that's unrelated to any of this stuff before me. I, I, I just, it's a deep thinking issue, okay? Imagine for a moment that we eliminated politics from all conversation. Imagine for a moment that political parties don't exist. Imagine for a moment we go back in time and we've got George Washington, the first president of the United States, and there are no political parties yet in the U.S. George Washington warned against the formation of political parties. And we're seeing the reason he warned against it now. Because they take your attention away from the Constitution in America and they put your loyalty to a party instead of the country. So just forget politics for a second. Is it good or bad for America and the American people to have an open border in which over 7 million illegals have come in here? Is it in the best interest of the United States of America to secure the border and control who comes in? Or is it in the best interest of the American people and this country to, to just permit unlimited illegal immigrants to come in here who have nothing in common with us, who don't speak our language, who are destroying us economically because they're not contributing, but they're taking away from the tax fund, the base. Objectively, forget Republican, Democrat. It is an objectively good thing to secure the border. 
All right, let's move on to another issue. Let's look at the gender mutilation of children. Is it in the best interest of our children to have kindergartners, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds taught in school that they should be choosing their own gender? Is it appropriate, is it benefiting America and Americans to have 13-year-olds indoctrinated to believe that they can chop off their wieners or chop off their breasts and become the opposite sex? Is it in the best interest of families in this country to pass laws like they did in Washington that make it criminal for parents to intervene should their minor children decide to go to a doctor and get their wieners chopped off? No, it's not. It's not. Is it in the best interest of the American people and our children to teach them that despite their own innocence, despite their own inability to see race, despite the fact that they are pure, that they are sinless, is it in the best interest of addressing racism to tell non-racist children that they are racist if they're white, that they are oppressed and victims if they're black? Is that in the interest of, the, of this country? No, it's not. And yet every one of those things, objectively, apolitically, we know what the answer is and what's good for the country. And yet the, the Democratic Party uniquely chooses the wrong side. And yet Democrat voters support what is against their own best interest because they simply are loyal to the Democratic Party. That's it. Period. Abortion. Another issue. Is it in the best interest of a country to encourage people to behave irresponsibly, to get pregnant, and then just have abortions? Is that in the best interest? Now, is it in the best interest of a country to promote morality and responsibility? Or is it in the best interest of us to say, hey, do whatever you want to do, and you just get an abortion? It's so easy. It's so easy. So, look, we're moving into 2024 soon, this election cycle. You're going to see the Democratic Party and Joe Biden continue to rewrite their own history. And we're seeing all of them do it, but I just want to tell you how it's going to go. And I'll I'll give you an example. This is Weingarten. Randy Weingarten. I want you to hear her. Cue up cut five, Captain. I want you to hear Weingarten talk about, lie about her position on school closures in the summer of 2020. Go ahead and play the cut, Captain. Uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. And maybe it's because I live in New York City. I live near a hospital. Every other minute there was a ambulance. There was terror. Our members were terrified. Others were terrified. 
And what we were simply looking for was clear scientific guidance. And when we couldn't get it, we did it ourselves. And we worked with doctors and we worked with others. And we just tried to get it out there. Okay. Now you're- well, you heard her explicitly in the beginning saying that she worked so hard to open schools. I have an article here from The Guardian. July 2020, that would be the summer of 2020, right? She just claimed that throughout the summer of 2020, she worked so hard to reopen schools. And yet in this Guardian article, July 2020, here's the headline, Reckless, Callous, Cruel. Teacher's Chief, that's Randy Weingarten, denounces Trump plan to reopen schools. Plans put forward by Donald Trump and his education secretary to reopen America's schools in the fall are reckless and could result in many teachers leaving the profession the president of one of the country's biggest teaching unions has warned. There they go. And Fauci's doing the same thing. Fauci's trying to act like he didn't have anything to do with all of this. He didn't close down the schools, he said. Well, no, Randy Weingarten did, though, and she was listening to you. It's amazing to see this. Fauci was heralded as as a hero when it was convenient and when it was popularly believed amongst dummies in this country that the lockdowns were a success, that they were the way to go. They were making ornaments about Dr. Fauci and, and Democrats and indoctrinated fools were buying them and putting them on their Christmas trees to celebrate their God, Fauci. Now we know definitively Not only based on experience that it was a disaster, that it was the wrong decision. We know this scientifically. And we also know that Fauci was covering up, maligning, engaged in campaigns to destroy the credibility of real scientists and real immunologists at Stanford, at Oxford, at these great institutions who put out the great Barrington Declaration, for example, that said, This is going to destroy the economy. This is not the right decision to go scientifically or anything else. And he attacked them. He sent emails and told people to make sure that these people weren't believed. With hydroxychloroquine and zinc, there were already studies that proved that they were effective treatments against COVID. This was long before the vaccine. Trump touted it. Doctors touted it. And these studies existed. We knew they worked. And what did the media and Fauci and all these people say? They attacked their credibility. They said that hydroxychloroquine and zinc didn't work. And there were studies that proved the opposite. They lied. They lied. They lied. Everything was a manipulation of us. And these people had the audacity to claim that they didn't do that. Now take the politics out of it. Are these good people? No. Take the politics out of it. Should we listen to these people? No. Take the politics out of it. Should these people pay a price? Yes, they should. Will they pay a price? No. Will Democrats care? No. Because why? They're you. They're Democrats, right? And of course, Democrats don't want to acknowledge that they were part of the problem, that they were wrong, that their behavior throughout the pandemic was disgraceful, un-American, disgusting, the way they attacked the unvaccinated. They just want to pretend like it didn't happen. It's like that article that was published. We need to forgive one another. No, 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 no. We don't need to forgive each other. You're the one who needs to beg on your knees for forgiveness. 
Now, I'm not going to have time to get into this too much. My fault. But I don't know if people are aware or not, but we are engaged in a cold war right now with China. Did you know that? We are. And it should be discussed about in that very fashion. Now, Cold War, of course, shots have not yet been fired. But we are engaged in a Cold War with China. Now, a a Chinese ex-military commander, he published an article in the South China Morning Post. Jack Ma owns this propaganda rag. No different than our Washington Post or CNN or anything else, but a retired Chinese Colonel Zhu Bo, he claimed that the Cold War between Beijing and Washington will be fought over influence in Europe, which he claimed will be divided between its reliance on America for its defense and China for trade. Zhu said that the competition between the two powers will principally be over who can win over the third parties. This is happening right now. We just had the French president, Macron. He visited with Xi Jinping. And after that meeting, he argued that the EU shouldn't follow the United States into a war with Beijing. He argued that France needed to move away from the U.S. in terms of monetarily and strategically. France is gone. France has embraced the bosom of Xi Jinping. This doesn't get talked about. This doesn't get talked about. The world is changing before our eyes. It's being forced by the Biden administration and Democrats. And you have Andy McCarthy writing a piece about how Trump should win re-election because of his tweets. And that's why I say these are not serious people. Andy McCarthy is not a serious person to write an article like that. You're just not a serious person to get caught up in that. So, look, I mean, this is what's going on. I mean, Xi Jinping is going after Europe. Here's the irony of all this. The Democrats, in particular, condemn an American isolationist mentality. Right? The Democrats condemn this philosophy that America should really be focused on its own needs, pull away from the rest of the world, and just focus on our own country. That's what they believe. Now, I'm not a complete isolationist. I'm not a dummy. You have to make allies and stuff throughout the world. But my point is, if you're an isolationist, you basically believe, all right, screw the rest of the world. Let's just focus on America. And the Democrats say that's a bad thing. And yet the Biden administration, their policies are making the United States the most isolated 
we've been in over 100 years. Do you see what's happening? Europe is moving towards China. Russia moved towards China. The Middle East, Saudi Arabia, have moved towards China. Soon enough, we will be all alone on an island. And everyone else throughout the world will be allied with China and dependent upon them for trade. And they're going to kill us economically. Because whatever was constructed in the past in terms of trade relations, China's going to replace the United States and they're going to look to China for trade. And then they're going to look to China for their defense. And before you know it, it's going to be China and the rest of the world versus the United States of America. And that world is going to look a lot different than the one today. Very, very different. And you don't want to live in that world. You don't want to live in that world where China is the major player calling the shots and telling Europe what to do and threatening them if they don't because they need China for trade. And the U.S. is going to have what? Nothing. Nothing. So... This is just kind of where we're, going, where we're going. I mean, pay attention, pay attention. But anyway, it's been a pleasure being with you as always. If you haven't yet, find the podcast on Apple. Like it, five stars, if you don't mind. And uh, we'll be back with you again soon, probably next week, okay? All right, this is your Millennial Minister of Truth. Until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew Allen. Conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.